I oh. like how Jacob thought he was being stealthy. Does this Jake? Do you think? Oh my word! Jacob definitely like flips people off without his middle finger. Wait, what? So there's two types of people in this world. You the ones said that... flipping them off without the middle finger. Yeah. No, you mean flipping people off without the thumb. Oh my gosh! I might thumb. I, I'm dumb. Yes. I've been up since 3 a.m. Bye bye, comic that might cost more than a dime. Come meet the brothers who are here to waste your time. Welcome back to the Dime Comic Bros podcast. Um, we are all here. Apologies for any potential audio issues you may hear. We are all recording in three separate locations because there because is currently a blizzard going on. Our local area got an ass ton of snow. Yeah, like God shook out all his dandruff today, like all of it. <laughs> I was so really sad. He broke yeah, so. a snow globe and turned it upside oh. down over us. And it was yeah. the biggest snow globe you ever seen. Yeah, so I'm unable to get to Colin's house at the moment. So otherwise, we would be recording with just the two setups. So and Colin my... lives across the street, like right next door. You can see his front door from Spencer's front door, and Spencer couldn't make it. It was yeah. that bad. <laughs> I am not Legolas. I can't sprint on top of snow. Even the snow plows are getting buried in snow. Yeah. So uh, we are going to just go right into the news. We're starting off with the with the Snyder news and getting it out of the way. Oh, yeah. Uh, Zack Snyder is going to be remastering Batman v Superman for release on HBO Max, which will be coming out before Justice League, which will be improving the color grading slightly and restoring the original IMAX, IMAX aspect ratio. Spencer is excited. Leave me alone. Why do you care about the IMAX aspect ratio when you do not own an IMAX screen? What what good does that because do? you can because you can still see more like it's quote unquote IMAX because like it was shot on IMAX. more bat titties can, <laughs> more more like more bat ass but you can physically see more like because it'll go from you know normal quote unquote normal widescreen it'll go to that kind of four by three it'll be taller like watching what justice league will be coming out as in that aspect ratio that's what it was shot with so there is more. And that basically was what he said he wanted to do it for. He's like, I forgot how much I had to like crop out when we changed the aspect ratio. I want you to watch it. And he's apparently slightly tweaking the color grading. Yay. Interesting. An actual bigger piece of news, which just came out today. Um, Snyder has confirmed via the comments on a Vero post that Justice League will be debuting in March which is when BVS was released. I think when Man of Steel was released, it's also his birthday, lots of other stuff. So, yay, I want it now. Wow. Colin, do you care or nah? Birthday make me happy. (laughs) All right. Um, So the investigation into the Justice League reshoots has concluded with, quote, remedial actions being taken, unquote, Uh, Ray Fisher reacted to this with, quote, there are still conversations that need to be had and resolutions that need to be found. Thank you for all your support and encouragement on this journey. We are on our way, end quote. And then since this, it just Whedon's like losing roles and directing gigs and stuff. So it looks like something. And also Joss, uh, sorry, uh, Jeff Johns was removed from the marketing of Wonder Woman 84. He's still getting mentioned because he is one of the writers and he does work with Patty Jenkins a lot and she still seems to have a good relationship with him, but he seems to be 
even if just because he's in the headlines right now, they're just kind of pulling his name back a little bit. So I take Ray Fisher's uh, comment about uh, we are on our way as uh, I translate that as we aren't done hearing about this from Spencer. End quote. Nice. Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, unless something major happens, I'm, I would like to stop talking about it. I'm very tired of it now. I just wanted to make sure we saw it through resolution. Also, there hasn't been a lot of news over the past couple of months, to be honest. So stretching for news. I keep sending you stupid clickbaity shit and you don't mention it on air. Uh, I, I've been taking most of them lately because they're not <laughs> clickbait. And then when the ones that are clickbait, which are from like freaking... Oh. Buzzfeed. <laughs> yeah, you I know, know Buzzfeed. I'm, I'm just making a joke. <laughs> if I see, you know, certain names, I'm not going to name them, but like I see someone, I just don't trust it. Nothing, no matter what they're saying. Anyways, um, a lot of comic related news. Uh, so the Joker what? is going to be getting his ongoing, his own ongoing series, The Joker, set after DC's Future State, which is going to be written by the current Batman writer James. Tinian, I never know if it's Tinian or Tinian, uh, the fourth, and illustrated by Gilliam March. <laughs> well, considering he's been doing really well so far, he definitely has big dick energy, Colin. Um, oh. no, 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 no. It's not about big dick or small dick. It's about good dick. Apparently, the Joker is going to be on the run internationally from James Gordon. This is really weird, and I kind of want to, I, I want it. Sounds weird. Sounds great to me. Um, so uh, DC also announced Batman Urban Legends, which is going to be an in-canon anthology series also set after Future State. It's kicking off with a couple of stories involving Red Hood and some assassins and some street thugs and like nothing. It doesn't seem to be of huge proportions, but uh, you'll begin to see a pattern here in a moment, which I want to discuss afterwards. Uh, DC also um, announced that Batman Black and White, which is an out-of-canon anthology series, will be returning. They also announced that Superman Red and Blue will be coming, which is basically super. Is it's the Superman version of Batman Black and White, also out-of-canon anthology. You said Black and White is returning. What was the first part of that? Um, it was a lot of stories. I believe it was in the mid 2000s. I might be wrong. It went on for a while. There's like three trades, like a full omnibus of it. Um, it's just different artists, writer teams of various, whether they've written Batman before or not, like just different takes on the character from different corners of the universe, all out of canon. So just, you know, there's, a, there's stories by like, um, Deanie and Tim from BTAS fame and like just right. all sorts of people. So, so that's coming back. Black and white, like the Batman Noir books or? It is in black and white, but that's also the name of the, the title. It's an ongoing right. anthology book. So they're new stories, not old stories being converted to black Correct. and white. Correct. Okay. Yeah, it's just, it's that's a, good. it's that's a return to, to a new, um, a new newer version of a title thing thingamajig all this is happening after future state correct i do not know what future state is please explain that's the the upcoming um dc wide event in january and february the so that's why i haven't heard of it yet because it hasn't happened yet 
Yeah, it's that it's the glimpse into the future of like 20 years down the line, like actual real time has passed. Characters have passed on the mantle. People have legit died. Um, So that's like the framing device of what the new quote unquote new continuity is going to look like is we have the end of the current metal stuff, which is a crisis event, but like the crisis event and all crisis events, like the end of that. And then future state is in the future, like IRL. So you have what looks to be everything else is going to be in that, that bit in the middle that is in Canon, like not the anthology series, like um, red and red and blue and black and white, which are just their own thing, which we've had plenty of books like that. So everything I would assume that's not black label or anthology series. It's just all is going to be set in that period of time. As we've been noting, DC has been, honing in their book count it's getting a lot smaller these days um i think they're down to like 12 primary titles or something in that neck of the woods it's not a lot and i believe they're going to be dropping a few more when we go after future state so my gut says that they are pretty happy just going in the direction of okay minor spoilers for not really minor some spoilers for what's going on in current metal comics no, Basically, please don't. It's something we've already referenced. I already sent something to the group chat. It's not a big deal because it's been hinted at later. I mean, previously. <sighs> um, basically, like everything is canon. It's all happened. They just, because of all the shenanigans, they forget things. Things fall out of happening. But like everything is canon after that event. They're going to be remembering everything. So all these different histories that don't line up have all happened. They just don't fit with each other and they're just dealing with it. Like because of crisis, it just changes. I'm not going to get any more in depth than that. Um, But it looks like DC is going to let the writer and illustrator teams just kind of do what they want and be like, Hey, we want you to fit within, you know, what's already happened before and this glimpse into the future. But it looks like most of their books are turning into anthology type books, like a Batman book involving Batman and other Bat family characters, but just set with different stories with different artist teams. That's in canon as much as that means at this point. Okay. It's interesting. I'm, I'm very fascinated. It's to interesting see where... to say the least. And we can move on from the spoilers, please. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm very just civil interested. of you, sir. Thank you. I'm very you know interested. me and I you know me and my civilness with my velvet robes. Mm, your 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 yeah, civility okay. is overwhelming oh tonight. Oh. <laughs> oh dear. Uh Marvel's Hellstrom is officially cancelled, which is the bookend to Marvel Television as we once knew it. As if we didn't see that coming, Marvel Television doesn't exist anymore, and it right. came out with a wet thud. <laughs> so, moving on, I guess. Oh, come on. I want to riff on wet thud. <laughs> uh, then riff on wet thud. No, it's fine. It's too late I'm... now. I didn't come up with anything fast enough. Typical, nice. am I right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, usually you're too fast for my liking, but fair. I'm going to be watching this pretty shortly because I am interested, but uh, yeah, it, it, this, I, it's officially confirming what everybody already knew anyway. The last news story, uh, Daniel Warren Johnson, uh, who was the artist and illustrator, uh, writer and illustrator for um, Wonder Woman Dead Earth, which I talked about last week, 
uh, is going to be writing and illustrated, illustrating a Beta Ray Bill limited series, which will be debuting in March, spinning out of the events of King and Black. This looks really cool. I really like the idea of Beta Ray Bill uh, because it's just so goofy and it has like a pretty big cult following. Uh, so yeah. I'm excited to read it after finally reading King and Black. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm weirdly interested and can't I wait to see the, where this goes. I think he's a really good pick for this. I saw, I believe it's going to be the cover art or just some sort of a teaser they threw out there of what it's going to look like. And right. I think his art style fits really well with this. I'm excited. Uh, I don't really have an opinion because I'm not really like educated on what we're talking about here because I don't know much about Wonder Woman or the artists that we're speaking of. Right. And uh, you haven't participated in any of the Thor stuff that this is spawning from. So yeah, it, boy. hopefully down the line I will. But as of the moment, I am preoccupied. Jacob, do you have any of those books in physical form? No. Okay. I have a handful of them. Once I my collection is more complete at the beginning, I'm going to start sending them to Colin. Nice. Or just shoving them in his face. Because he must, he must read. You must read. It's really good. You're going to love it. That is the end of the news. Nice. Um, so, Jacob, what have you been consuming you okay. good consumer boy. So I'm kind of breaking the rules that we established last week, was it? Where we're last only going to talk weeks ago. about three things. Um, I tried, um, I tried okay. a lot of different things and nothing stuck. I was not excited to talk about any of it. So I wrote a single sentence about... <laughs> Uh, seven different things, and I'm just going to shotgun them for you guys. Do it. All right, acceptable. So after uh, that last Moon Knight run that I talked about, uh, the Marvel Unlimited app suggested I go into Moon Knight number 188 and on. So I read that, and number 189 uh, came out in 2016 and is written by Max Bemis, or Bemis. It's fine. Uh, it couldn't keep my attention. I have no idea why. It's not like the artwork sucked or the story sucked. It was an interesting uh, idea, but every time I opened it, I was like bored and ready to just twiddle my thumbs. I, I don't know why. So it's not a fair review. And I realized that, but I moved on. I then started Blade 2006 number one uh it's weird it's interesting and i downloaded the rest of the series i think it's 12 issues uh to read for next week nice i have read that i think i mentioned that a while back was a weird note at the end of number one about it being for blade fans and it goes into you know Blade comic book fans, not Blade the movie fans, but it wasn't downloading very well and I couldn't read it. And uh, I don't know. Nice. It just seemed kind of sniffy about being for Blade fans. That's and I was really like, funny because there's only like, I would be willing to bet if you counted up every issue of Blade, like his own run, there's less than a hundred. There are so few Blade yeah. books. And I don't know 
really anything about it. I saw like the first 10 minutes of the first movie and was like, this isn't for me. But I'm trying to really? comic. Really? And... It feels like the type of kind of dumb fun that's up your alley. It was so 2001 cringe, though. Oh, but I love that. It's so good. That's I know rough. you do. <laughs> I, I have, have a thing for the early home. 2000s cringe. I will try it again. You have a thing for point. cringe in general. That's why you're my friend. Oof. I feel I like will... at some point we could probably make those three movies a topic. Yes. I will Should. go back and watch them eventually. So nice. that is the end of my shotgunning for now. Spencer, oh, okay. what have you consumed? So with something I watched and finished minutes before recording, um, I watched the Spawn movie. Yeah. Um, oh, I've tried uh, that one so many times, but my problem is that I put it on right as I climb into bed and it's just my bedtime viewing. So I've seen the first five to 10 minutes, five or six times. <laughs> and that's it. Oof. So yeah. Um, it's not horrible. It's. It certainly feels like there was a lot of passion put into it. It feels like a really, really high budget, like film student film, and not like film students making a pretentious film student film, but like them trying something like boots on the ground, going and making a movie. It they're trying so hard, but because of the technology and the budget limitations, yeah. and I would say really. Sh- screenwriting in my opinion not to trash anybody but the script is horrible also talking about early 2000s cringe that came out in what 98 99 i think so yeah it's um the spawn is a very 90s early 2000s character himself anyway so that doesn't help but hot damn the writing is so bad the structure is janky it doesn't it makes sense but it's just it making sense in that it's really hard to explain uh the visual effects are the the special effects the the digital stuff is absolute ass like you can tell that they're trying to hide it as much as possible whenever he goes to hell like there's so much fire and smoke and lightning to like just chop out frames like literally so you don't have to render as much stuff it's so bad i would have genuinely preferred if they hadn't done any of that and there's there are ways you could do that you there's a way to write your script in a way where you don't have to visually see hell um or if you absolutely have to use pyrotechnics and only do it once (laughs) yeah um the 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 visual effects like the practical stuff i actually thought wasn't that bad um I think it was better in idea than execution, which I think is like my catchphrase at this point. But like, I like how the, the, the suit comes over his head. I like how it looks. I like like the idea of it. It's just, you know, it's a bit janky. It looks dated. I like the idea, but I think I would have done better. (laughs) (laughs) That's what I hear Um, every time. Yeah. I think I would have done better if I was the director, you know, my vision. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, I, it got there's there's a few chuckles in there. Um, the one of the characters I can't even remember his name. It was one of the like head demon boys. He's like a fat clown man. Gross. Yeah. But a few of the jokes were actually kind of funny. Um, it felt like that performance. Maybe it was the prosthetics he was wearing, but it's really hard to tell what he's saying. And then it, it almost feels like really bad ADR. Like they're trying to dub over him. Sometimes it might just be bad timing. Maybe the audio just literally isn't synced with the video. But Weird. it's 
fine. I would watch it again. It's not like a, oh, it's so bad. It's good. Like, it's not like I'm cringe laughing at it. It's just like, eh, if I'm bored enough, it's right. better than Catwoman. That, that's my baseline. I will not watch Catwoman ever again. I, that was so a, bad. I've avoided that one like the plague. <laughs> just You have to do it once for no. the most, and then you have to hate it for the rest of your life. Um, Colin, what have you been doing? Anything? Um, so I actually uh, finished Titans. and The first season or the whole thing? All, uh, season two. I finished season two. Dang. <sighs> Um, I pushed through and like the, the twist wasn't even a good twist. No, I could see, I could actually see how it was. And the first thing that came to mind was the most pretentious uh, saying that Spencer says, and he says all the time, it was great an idea, but how it turned out was not so good. Um, And like the whole Jericho thing. Oh, I can't talk about it. Yeah, but, it, it's okay, horrible. Okay, okay, but the idea was good. The idea, I guess, <laughs> I, I could see that because of how his power works. But like, also, it was the idea is like, okay, that that sounds cool, but we should probably never do it. Yeah, um, it's uh, it's just so weird. The the last that they did like things that were so unnecessary. Like, so, a main character died and it's probably going to come back to life. But like as the last are you episode, talking, are you, are you, oh, okay. You're talking about that one. The yeah, last episode, the main, one of the main characters died and it's just so dumb. It's like, okay, why'd you do that? The way how you had someone die, any of the other characters could have uh, caught what was yeah. falling and not died, but you just, okay. It was just dumb. It's and the, 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 the girl stupidest. that plays Rachel, she, anytime that she does her powers or anything, I hate how she moves in her mouth. It's just like, it's like, what is going on? Like, okay there's just so many unnecessary things for story but they i know that they will forget it in the first episode everything will just be wrapped up in the first episode like they did in season two episode one got rid of trigon immediately yeah. so it's like okay but yeah it was just really sucky it just sucked dude i, I, I will won't, i will not watch that... it again except for like specific scenes yeah, I will admit that the Deathstroke outfit does look pretty cool. Oh, dude, their outfits are so awesome. It's just a matter of, it, particularly with Deathstroke, it serves no purpose because none of the things it visually has on it ever come into factor. It's like, oh, that, you know, just insert, oh, it's bulletproof. And then he gets shot. Yeah. Like, oh, it's it's blade resistant, gets stabbed uh-huh. all the time. It's like, you're not even paying attention. Like, oh, he's got a sword. Never uses it. Like, no, no, stuff no. Like that. He, he actually used the sword quite a bit, but the stupid thing it was he only had one sword, and he pulled it out. I'm like, okay, why does he only have one sword? And then, magically, it comes into two. Like, it doesn't even show the thing come apart. It's just, yeah. like, the second blade just comes out. Like, it was, like, CGI. I'm like, yeah. oh, my gosh. You have no shame. The writers, the directors, everyone on this crew has no shame in what is their creating. Honestly, they really don't. And they really don't. And I'm like, it doesn't wow. even feel like they're trying. It it actually no. feels like corporate, corporate like boardroom assembled, procedurally yeah. generated type nonsense. <laughs> Dude, it was it's bad. Jacob, what else have you been doing? Shotgun sh- blast me again. I'm shocked that Colin's opinion hasn't changed at the end of season two of Titans. I, I just can't believe it. I read uh, Batman Metal number one, and it. 
After that, I tried finding out which issue to read next out of the three books, and it pisses me off that I have to track the story across three different books. It's so confusing. It's poorly labeled inside the book. So after book number one, you have to go to Teen Titans 17 or 19. So I opened up, I found the book, and the back cover says Teen Titans 17 or 19 included. So I open it up. And I read the title to the first issue, and it's like uh, Dark Knight's Age of Ice or something. I'm like, the frig is that? I had to Google Teen Titans 17 or 19 and find the first three pages and match them up to what was inside the book. It's so frigging frustrating. I want it in one freaking book in a single line, so I read it like an actual book. Ugh! Uh, my gut says that they're gonna definitely do that later. I was talking. I was asking the guys at Jetpack. I was like, "Oh, are you guys? Do you think? Have you heard any rumblings about them potentially releasing omnibus versions of this? Because this was back before um, the the current event was out. And it was just the original metal. So right. I was like, "Do you think that you know maybe like an omnibus or two? And they're like, "Yeah, at the moment, it looks like they're gonna milk it on the paperbacks as long as they can. And then after the next event comes out, which is when I found out that there were rumblings of a sequel event." that then they'll probably put it in an omnibus in the order instead of just having the, like, yeah, it's Well, that dumb. pisses me off even more. Yeah. I also watched the HBO uh, special Perry Mason. I saw the first six episodes, so I have two left. Um, it has a slow start that comes together very well in the third act. I was kind of bored to begin with but i was like i don't know i'll push through it there's only eight episodes and i forget if it was episode five or six that i was like this is getting really good <laughs> it just it takes a while to build itself up but it's really good and i am it's very excited to finish happens. it yeah nice it's just a it it teaches you to be patient and to push through colin has problems with that um uh, yeah <laughs> actually no hey you gotta like give me credit don't. i pushed i pushed through uh titans okay that is fair but at least there are nice things to look at while you want to stab your ears that's very true <laughs> i started uh the harley quinn animated show on hbo um and i'm just gonna use the simple summary that i gave in the group chat it is a basically a dc reskin of archer and it's just as bland and boring i didn't find a whole lot of enjoyment out of it really yeah like huh. that one i'm probably not gonna push through hmm. interesting that is the end of shotgun number two kite man hell yeah <laughs> um so i watched um shot of the dead which is it might sound like sacrilege because I'm a very big um, Simon Pegg fan. I uh, like I'm a diehard Hot Fuzz fanboy, um, right. and I I hadn't watched this part of the the Cornetto trilogy, which if you don't know what it is, it's basically three movies that aren't connected at all, but it's the same writer director team yep. uh, with with Simon Pegg. They have very it's basically identical humor. Um, 
anyways, Shaun of the Dead, I hadn't watched yet um, because it's a zombie movie. So I had been like, ah, I'm, I'm good on zombie comedy movies right now. I really like Zombieland. I actually like Scout's Guide to the Zombie Apocalypse. That's a guilty pleasure. Um, so I waited for a long time to watch this. Um, so it's a story about a boy taking control of his life to become a man. There's comedy, drama, and romance. Also, there's zombies. It's basically what it is. Like, it's a, it kind of is like a coming of age movie for like a man baby in a sense. He's like, you know, learning to control his own life and not just follow around people, have some assertion in his life, get, um, actually give a sort of deal. But it's set with zombies, I guess. Um, so it's I, basically your life without the coming of age part. Whew. So who's the zombie in this situation? Um, yeah, that <laughs> would actually be me. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Um, I really liked it. I didn't laugh a lot, though, which is weird. Like, Hot Fuzz, every single joke lands for me, and I die oh, yeah. laughing. I have Hot to Fuzz agree with is you on that. one of my favorite comedy movies of all time. Um, but the, they're good jokes. Like, it, it's just... I don't know if it's maybe the timing of like, I believe it came out in like the late 2000s, early 2010s. So it might just be the timing. It might be my sense of humor is a little, just a little bit different than Hot Fuzz is. I don't know. Um, it was very entertaining to watch. The chemistry was really good. The story structure was excellent. It's just like the jokes are good. They're just not like making me actually laugh. Does that makes any sense. Um, I have that issue with comedies all the time. I watch it and it's like, I mean, it's funny, but I'm not laughing. You didn't breathe. You didn't exhale loudly out your nose. No. Um, Colin, did you do anything else? Um, I I've actually been playing a lot on my Switch uh, that I got recently, and I was I've been addicted to. Animal Crossing New Horizons. <laughs> oh my word. It's just so fun. It's peaceful. Like every time I I, I play like Call of Duty uh Modern Warfare all the time. And whenever I get like too angry because I'm like sucking, like I suck sometimes and sometimes I'm like really good. But like today I was not having a good day on that game. So then I started playing New Horizons and it's just it's peaceful. It's so good. Aww. It's nice. so nice. I actually would have guessed that you were an Animal Crossing kind of guy. I, yeah, I can easily see is. that. I never played it till now. Abby got me into it. I wasn't really crazy about it till I started playing it. I'm like, oh, wow, this is actually really peaceful. It's really nice. I love it. Jacob, blast me again. All right. Blast us, big boy. Last blast. Um, I watched the first episode of Westworld on HBO. Oh. It's an interesting sci-fi concept that I believe they brought to new dimensions, and I am excited to see more. To end on a downer, on my last shotgun blast, I watched most of THX 1138, which is uh, it was directed partly by George Lucas. I forget the name of the actual director that was training him. Um, six years before George Lucas made Star Wars. So that would make this movie made in 1971. Oh, wow. It is a 1984 esque style sci-fi that I found very frigging boring. Like 
I was three quarters of the way through it. I'm like, I just cannot do this anymore. I am so bored. Bruh. So I never finished it. Bruh. What? Unacceptable opinion. That's disappointing. Have you two seen it? Yes. (laughs) That's usually how the answers go. (laughs) (laughs) So what do you think of this movie, Spencer? What did I I miss? I mean, I wouldn't say it's like boring, boring. I guess I can see why you would be bored by it. Um, It's not like it's riveting. It's definitely like a directorial debut type movie, but it it had the same feeling that One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest did. Like not much is happening and it kind of drags like stuff does happen, but I can't see. It's just a picture of someone living their life. I guess. I actually, there's a really good movie um, that is basically just people living their life. It's called Patterson. It's really good. It's just about this bus driver who might be Adam Driver uh, and like his wife. Like, there's no conflict in the movie. Like, they're just living life. It's just cute and it's really good. Drives me crazy. I don't want to watch something like that. (laughs) Why? You don't want to see Adam Driver be happy? I know what a normal life feels like. I do it every day. I'm sure you do. Um, Yeah, I, I guess it's it. It's nice to see where the the rumblings of George Lucas's world building came from. Yep. That's where it is the most interesting is the world being presented. Like it's been, I think, established. George Lucas is not the best people director. Otherwise, he's fine. He's way better as like a producer, not necessarily a screenwriter, but like coming up with the ideas and building the world behind the scenes. Of course. Right. And I think he did that really, really well in that movie. It's just directing is definitely on the boring side so i like it but you know you you can't not not like like you'd still have the wrong opinion even though i understand where you're coming from that's my opinion (laughs) on everything (laughs) you still have the wrong opinion but all right i'll let it slide i'll let it slide you're my boy boy. this is true it is spencer's turn with his last point oh yeah so i uh read batman the flash the button that is Batman oh. forward slash the flash colon space the button. Um, <laughs> I cannot wait for your review of this because I talked about it a little while ago. Okay, so uh, it is a four issue crossover event. It, event is a loose term um, between the Tom King flash run and the Joshua Williamson flash run of Rebirth. Uh, with illustrations by Jason Fabok and Howard Porter. Um, starting with the art, because it's the easiest thing. I absolutely loved the art in this book. Both artists have very different styles. I've I've already screamed about how much I love Jason Fabok's work. Um, Howard Porter has a really interesting style. It's very angular and accentuating. Uh, like he ha- he does a very distinct style, but they actually mesh pretty well together because it alternates between issues. So you have a Batman issue, then a Flash issue, a Batman issue, a Flash issue, whatever. And it just, you can see like basically the same panel, but drawn in the two styles. And it's really, really cool. Um, No issues with the art whatsoever. It's really good stylized Batman and good stylized Flash stuff. Um, There were a few check-ins with other characters from other parts of the DC universe, which I thought it was nice to check in with it felt somewhat natural to see the people that we see not going to say who um 
I I liked the resolution it provided for another arc that had happened previously. I I really liked how that went. Um, and it was good to see another speedster reference that hadn't been referenced in a while. I'm not gonna say which one. Jacob knows what I'm talking about. Um, it doesn't really go anywhere though. <laughs> Thank you. So like. That's the di- I thought the dialogue for both writers was actually pretty solid. I've complained about Tom King writing Batman before. I don't think he's horrible and in this I think he does shine pretty well. Like there's some witty some witty jokes. The two characters get along really well because they have a forensics they have forensics in common. Flash, you know, monologues internally. He's like, yeah, the rest of the league doesn't like talking about forensics. They get bored. They don't know what the f- I'm talking about. But Batman can talk about it for days. So like they hang out like he has the Batman has flash on speed dial, like quite literally. He just calls him up. He's like, yeah, I need you in here like right now. Get it. Speed dial. (laughs) (laughs) I like that joke. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So like the 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 premise of it being a prelude to Doomsday Clock. I don't mind um, as like a little bit of a teaser. So it is doomsday cock. (laughs) (laughs) I think we all know it's doomsday cock by now. (laughs) Oh, nice. Um, You need to remember that voice and use it at at later points because that was excellent. Don't worry, I'll remember the voice. Okay. Um... (laughs) Is that your pedo voice? I think that's his pedo voice. That's the one he uses when he calls Abby up on the phone. It's the voice I use when I think about Spencer. <laughs> oh boy. I'm getting sweaty. Jacob, I just want you to know that I'm drawing your superhero right now. And I'm paying oh, attention yeah? to every little detail. Every little <laughs> detail. So working that's on the a... pants, I assume. <laughs> oh boy. Okay, back to other characters that do wear pants. So I like it as a as a prelude of you know hinting at what's coming, and it's only a few issues, and they're fairly short and very plot heavy. I'd say, even though I said it doesn't really go anywhere. Um, like I said, I liked revisiting a couple of the events that are referenced in it. The character interactions were really nice. It uh, the Reverse Flash is always welcome in my book. I thought he was done excell- excellently here. Just like yeah, I'm always going to exist in every timeline, every version of everything because I. F- hate you you can't get away from me there's just no way i really like that um we love the hate yes so this is a sequel to dc rebirth number one which is like a mega sized issue to kick off the rebirth event more like continuity shifting whatever the and then it's this book and then it's doomsday clock kind of it's weird and that bugs me because Okay, this is my tinfoil hat time. I gotta go there. Well, hang so, on a second. Does number one show the button arriving? Yes, that's that's where that happened. Okay. Yes. So it's the context that I needed. That's what some... Yes. So I actually think that this book should be bundled with DC Rebirth number one because it is, it's a really big issue, but it's still one issue and it only comes in hardcover that I'm able to find anyway. Um, that annoys me anyway, but like, so you have DC rebirth number one, and then you have the button and the button's only four issues, like put them in the same book. I understand they're not written by the same writer. They're not illustrated by the same people. 
Um, but like they're so connected and it's a short story. Like it's a hop, skip and a jump to the end of it. That should be one book. And in my, uh, my humble opinion, I think there should be an expanded version of Doomsday Clock that includes these because that just makes sense. But tinfoil hat time. Um, so something I kind of referenced when I was talking about three jokers and Doomsday Clock with, with Jeff Johns, the, he was higher up in terms of uh, creative control of like DC publishing at the time that these were like announced slash started being written. And we know a couple of them like Doomsday Clock and Three Jokers got like stretched out really long. They were not supposed to be published for over like three years. It seems like um, that is the major problem here is I actually like the idea of all of these books if you're gonna you know like shove watchmen into the dc universe in some way i think this is a really good way to do it but coalescing these books whereas they started coming out in i mean flashpoint is relevant so flashpoint was in 2011 and then you have most of this in 26 2015 16 17 and then 18 19 and 20 and it you can condense it all into like one omnibus it just bugs me and I feel like they really shot themselves in the foot like really really bad because most people's receptions to these stories isn't that they're bad it's that they feel like they're stretched out and overly long and they don't go anywhere because they were published over such a long period of time so I feel like them trying to yank them being in quotations and vague somebody higher up trying to wrestle this away from jeff johns whereas he's actually trying to shake up things which is not what jeff johns usually does so you have to give him props and um, this was all under his general guiding control at the time him trying to radically shake up dc continuity and they wouldn't let him do it kind of they like forced him to stretch it out and it's been changed it just why Jeff Johns is is notorious for maintaining status quo. He wants to grow, I guess, and learn to write different things and change what's going on. And then you shot it, you shoot him in the foot, and you shoot DC Publishing in a foot. So nobody knows what the f is going on, and continuity becomes a mess again, and everybody's mm -hmm. bored. What the f? Tinfoil hat is off. Colin, what else have you done? Uh. I swear there's like a third one, but I don't think there's been much. I've just been going back and forth between books, you know, trying to finish certain things, but soon to come, I'll have reviews on said books. Nice. Nice. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. The Mandalorian season two, episode seven, The Believer. Colin, thoughts, tell me them. Um, can we not start with me? Because I can't remember which episode that was. Jacob. Fine. Okay, I'll go. Oh, wait, wait. No, I remember now. I remember. I remember. I remember. I was still Speak. That. Okay, so that was the one where Bill Burr came back, right? Yes. Yes. Okay, so the last one. Okay, so um, I really enjoyed the different character development and just like Mando is being stretched to his limits in this episode, but also it's interesting that you say character development, because I was going to say that the two Snipey checks barely did anything, but Snipe stuff. 
Oh, well, yeah, because it wasn't really, the episode wasn't really about them, but like, if, but I'm talking it was about, about Bill Burr in space. Yeah, <laughs> Bill Burr. So Bill Burr, we got like more, like, he actually cares about people. Like, I really, really like what they did with his character. Yeah. It's, at first I was like, is this a, a jump in logic from where he was in the first one? Because he was no. an ass. He wa- No, like, he wasn't he... that much of an ass. He was more like, uh... no, he was definitely one of those like hiding myself type of ass. So he didn't want to kill that dude. You could tell he didn't really want to kill that dude. And he wasn't just doing it out of the blue. The Twilight but also he was abusing the did. child. And for that, you will never be forgiven. Uh, how would he actually abuse the child, though? But Someone please guy. remind me who this guy is. Um, it was the like, one where they, one. yeah, they go. It's the one with Purple the Purple Twilight. Twilight. How do you not remember that? That was like the best episode of last season. Yeah, dude. I don't know. You're hey, broken. You. I'm stupid. Yeah. Um. Anywho, yeah, I'm. I'm definitely with Colin. I was a little confused, and then I really, really who really liked where they went um when they were in the as I'm, the internet's been blowing up the scene in the the um the can not the cantina but the lunch hall whatever the break hell you call it the officers yeah. break room yeah yes that scene was off the walls phenomenal in like every way it was way. so good that was kind of when i realized where they were going because um not just the the interaction they had with the the officer, which was great. Mm-hmm. Um, it was when he gave Mando his helmet back, and then it was like, "I didn't, I didn't see you." Yeah, that was dude. when. I, that's when I was like, "Oh, so that's what the title's about." Because it wasn't. I I wasn't sure what how the title was relevant. I usually uh, wonder about these things, and it wasn't the. You know, it wasn't like, oh, we converted him to the cause exactly. But it was more like he believes in what Mando stands for. Like, the, their two ideologies do actually coalesce to an oh, extent. Yeah. That was really cool. So they, you know, they they let him off at the end. And I'm like, that dude would 100% go, uh, if he could go back to the New Republic, he probably would. But he oh, yeah. obviously can't because he doesn't exist anymore. But like that boy would be part of the resistance in like 15 years. Of course. Um, I like that. I uh, love how Boba just out of the blue uh, got a paint job on his armor. <laughs> it looks so good. I don't know. I don't like it. I don't. What? <laughs> I like uh, it's just I know I don't like it just because I like how it looks better in episode five and six understandable i my my first reaction was like that's cool and then i'm like wait a minute you look like a toy and then yes, 30 seconds yes. later when i when i didn't watch it on my phone there's a hell of a lot of detail that's still there it's not just painted like they it, it's more like he took a paintbrush and manually painted over it himself yeah it's mm. still rough and janky and dented it's just like at a glance you don't really notice that if you're watching on a smaller screen I thought it looked really f-ing good. And it would make sense if your armor finally comes back and it looks like ass. It's been through hell. Why wouldn't you want to give it a paint job? Yeah. No, I understand that. It looks so good. I want it. <laughs> That's pretty much uh, the summary for this episode. It looks so good. I want it. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> I do. Oh, oh, it was really nice seeing like more interior of slave one 
I'm yes. really enjoying getting to see more of Slave One in action because uh, the most that we ever saw was like in Attack of the Clones, and after that it was kind of like more just concept arts that would been here and there. That was probably yeah. the highlight of the episode for me is when I think it's near the beginning of the episode when everybody's in the cab of Slave One. Yeah, when he drops the freaking oh. the gyroscopic cab inside the ship as it's standing up in yeah. space. Yeah. Oh my gosh, that was awesome. I just I love when he it was the had that callback to Attack of the Clones when he just drops like that weird sonic bomb thing. Oh, oh, dude, I nutted, I nutted, <laughs> I nutted when that happened, and like I was, uh, I told Abby about this. I'm like, oh my gosh, this episode is major horny, and she's like, what do you mean? And I'm like, just wait, just wait. Oh boy, um, something that I I actually thought was pretty cool was um. You know, in Star Wars, like in most of the expanded material outside of the movies, we have a bit of a focus on like, you know, there it's not entirely black and white. Like there are gray areas. There are bad people in good causes and good people in bad causes and all that stuff. I like how this episode confirmed that while also being like, yeah, but the Empire is still f***ing fascist trash at the same yeah. time. Like they did both. They're like, yeah. There are some people that were kind of there for the right reasons, but most of them have bailed like when, you know, like Operation Cinder happened and they just, if for you guys that don't know what that is, like basically they were just the empire, the remnants of the empire right after Palpatine died were just told to basically just trash everything and just yep. park over a planet, blow the shit out of it for yep. no reason. There was even and- some comic books about that. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, it's in yeah. the Aftermath trilogy in particular. And it's like, ah, yeah, you don't do that and not understand what you're doing. You like, know? you can even write off the Death Star, kind of. You're like, well, there are scientists on there and, like, non-military personnel. Like, there, there are books about that where it's like there were still good people on there and, the you know, the Rebellion did just blow them up. But it's like, yeah, but the Empire is still a empire. Yeah. Like... Well, in every war, there's obviously good people on the wrong side. You can be, right. still be a good person, still be a criminal, or still be like a, a war criminal. Right. Um, I just like the fact that it, it kind of pulled back from the usual, like, we're going to make it more and more gray, like every episode of something. It's like, and it's more and more confusing. And this one's like, yeah, but like the, em- the Empire was never going to be okay. And it does need to just get blown to shit. Mm-hmm. That was like a very that. cathartic moment. I loved how he's just like, mm, give me the sniper rifle. I'm just going to blow this entire f-ing joint. And then yeah. just, oh, that was so good. Uh, so it is main topic time. Uh, we are talking about Hellboy Omnibus 3. Colin, Mr. Hellboy Boy, why yes. don't you give us a summary of the three stories that are in this book? This is the thickest book out of the omnibuses that we are given. And so I'm just going to look at the index and we have three stories, uh, darkness calls the, uh, the wild hunt and the storm and the fury. So this starts off with Hellboy drinking with ghosts, of course, and, uh, dealing with, uh, you know, just being a demon, he's seeing visions and this demon comes out of him and he's ripped from his gauntlet and it's just a floating skin in the wind. And it's like a dream sequence of showing what his brain is telling him that is going to happen, I, I guess. 
that that was a very poor description. Basically, what happens is it starts off. The story starts off with uh, Hellboy in a in a dream about how he he's being shown visuals of how he's feeling and how his uh, humanity is going to be stripped of him, and all that's left is going to be a demon. And he wakes up and starts drinking again. <laughs> Uh, that that's the shorter one, but we go into what's really happening, and we're introduced to one of the biggest villains for Hellboy, and I forget her name; it escapes me. But she is known as the Blood Queen. The Blood Queen goes all the way back to King Arthur times, and she was so powerful that the witches and knights all came together and tricked her and chopped her into pieces and sent her pieces throughout the lands. And one of her goons that wanted power um, brought them all together. And now we have this woman that wants to bring upon the apocalypse, who is also known as the dragon. And it's really nice. It it brings Hellboy out of like his depressive state and, uh, well, not really brings him out of the depressive state, more brings him out of the doing nothing part of being depressed. And uh, we get to see a character that he saved in the past from these little goblins that we get to see in uh, one of our short story on the buses. And her name's Alice, a redhead who was misrepresented in the newest movie, which we shall not speak of. And... I like her a lot because she brings the humanity out in Hellboy. I mean, he already shows a lot of his humanity and very kind and wants to do what's right. Um, But she just brings out to a whole other level, just the better half of, of him. And she's throughout from the middle, from like very beginning of the story all the way to the end um, to his demise and just so much happens to Hellboy throughout this with losing an eye to getting stabbed in the back by these hunters. He finds out that his dad was a part of like this cult almost. Yeah, they're like a cult. But of course, we're just shown more um, prophecies from witches about uh, Hellboy and what he's actually going to do. And he's denying it every single time. And he learns that he is actually a descendant of King Arthur and can wield King Arthur's sword. He's a descendant. I love how, how this is because he's a descendant by uh, bastardizing because he is from like uh, King Arthur's women that he didn't marry and like whores and all that stuff, all the bad background just an unhonorable prince to the uh, to the throne. He is shown more visions and more visions of what he's going to bring, and he doesn't want to pick up the sword because he's going to bring about the apocalypse. And uh, during the end, he is uh, trying to... De- he, he gets through it, and he doesn't take the sword... But King Arthur comes back to raise his uh, men to fight off the demon horde. And then after defeating the demon horde, he 
is uh, finally able to rest while Hellboy goes and fights the dragon. But he is unable to reach the dragon uh, because of the horde and um, all the surroundings. So he gives up an eye to the Baba Yaga to uh, be teleported to uh, the castle that the dragon is in. And one of my favorite lines, I need to read it. So one of my favorite lines was what one of the witches said to him when he got to the castle. So the uh, the witches that are following uh, the Blood Queen are watching as the war breaks out and uh, they speak to each other and then they realize that someone is there and they're like who's there and they see him like see uh see his one eye it's odin out wandering the world no look to his hand you see he carries a hammer thor then and then hellboy says where is she the witch's point she alone up there no and uh, one of them said, "Oh, Odin traded his uh, traded his eye for wisdom, but you traded yours for much less." Nimue, that's her name. Nimue, Nimue, the Blood Queen, waiting for Hellboy to appear. She is transforming into a dragon, waiting for Hellboy. Hellboy is battling his way up uh, to find her. Finally, they uh, clap clash fists and as he defeats her she rips his heart out and plunges him to hell very anticlimactic ending i thought i was very surprised by that when i first read it but yeah what do you guys think uh i found jacob jacob dropped the hot take dropped the nuke well i was gonna start off easy before Fine. I drop the nuke. Fine. Tactical nuke! Um, page... PC-130! <laughs> um, page 44, the first frame, I think summarizes uh, the funny aspect of Hellboy's character. Uh, 40 what? 44. Okay. So he finds a couple of people that are talking to him, all crazy talk as he's out on a walk, and eventually they start... Uh, some ceremony that's raising zombies or something up out of a grave in the ground. And the frame has leaves spinning all around and it's chaotic and lights and shadows. And there's uh, two or three corpses up in the air. Like it's crazy what's happening. And he's like, wow, you girls look like crap. (laughs) It's just so, uh, it's not even breaking the fourth wall. He's just like, doesn't care <laughs> that he's in danger. <laughs> oh, no, not at all. Just cracks jokes in a very different way from most comic characters. Spencer, did you have any hot takes before I drop the nuke? Drop the nuke. Drop the nuke. Start the Civil War. Okay, so Colin, I warned you that I had an artist's question. Yep. Um, please turn to page 66. Okay. Nice. And 
notice that is it is a white setting, a very snowy setting uh, with snow-crusted uh, warriors all in an army formation lined yes. up against Hellboy. And notice that it is on black paper. Uh, Hellboy is snow blind by this. You can see in the second frame, he's like holding his hand up to his forehead, trying to see what's going on. Mm -hmm. Turn now to page 99 as an example. It is uh, when Nimue's uh, goons are trying to get her in her box out from a near bottomless pit underneath a cathedral. So it's you know, down a huge set of stairs, basically in a cave uh, with a troll in shadows as he's lifting the lid to a near bottomless pit. And so you can imagine the dark setting that this is very shadowy and it's on white paper. Why? Like uh, page 85 proves my point. It is again, the snow strewn picture and it is on white paper it's depicting a blizzard and it's it this page almost gives you snow blindness (laughs) but for effect because there isn't much detail on it so why not have more of the dark shadowy areas that we have seen in hellboy on black paper why is most of it on white um I mean, it's really just—I don't know. It, uh, sometimes it just—it just depends about how the artist feels, like how he wants to show things. So, it is actually more ideal if you're going to have snow blindness and like, or just snow, regular snow, right? Uh, um, drawn out. You want to have like a darker background, right? Just so you can show more of the color or more of the nothingness, the lack of color. Um, and when you have darkness, you want to show more light in the background. So like the white paper, um, just to show how dark the setting is so that it doesn't feel like it's all stuck together. Like I wouldn't do black background with, uh, black paper with black, uh, black, um, I wouldn't do black on black, black paper with, uh, black panels, because I feel like it would morph everything together and it would just feel not right for a comic book while then we go to the fully white uh basically fully white page comic book page and it's all just about what the artist and the storyteller think is the best and there's no real artsy answer to it um, but well, how I would see it, how I interpret it is that you can, like how you pointed out, he's holding up his hands like it's uh, showing snow blindness um, or emulating it. Right. And uh, you see the knights coming out of the snow. Um, that could just be like a startup. It's warming up. And then eventually we see page 85 where it's total like snow blindness because you can even see the colors from hellboy are like drained out and they're almost like a like a very very light lavender ash lavender almost that's a different scene there's a lot of things that happen between those two pages it's not it's not the same scene 
that I was... no, 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 no. I know. Um, all right. Um, I'm just saying it, it's a snow. Uh, it starts snowing, and then eventually it leads to the snow getting worse. Okay. So it's just it's a part of it. It's not the main thing, but it's a part of the storytelling. Um, how I interpret it, anyways. And then, like you said, all the way to the darkness. It's just how they wanted to do it, I guess. But that's really <laughs> what it boils down to. It just boils down to that's what they wanted to do. Okay. Interesting. That was not nearly as exciting as I thought it would be. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. It, it's some things about art just aren't that exciting. That and is not Hellboy what I is, thought the nuke was. Yeah, I thought it was going to be something really big, but oh, besides the fact that I really like this art as well as Mike Mignola's. Oh, of course. Yeah. No, no, no. This is the only artist I really like for Mike. Uh, other for, to do Hellboy. This is the only other artist I w- would want to do Hellboy. Interesting. Mm. I thought this is the one that you were complaining about in the last book, uh, Into the Sea. No, he, he didn't do anything Into the Sea. This artist. Yeah. I thought it was the same artist. Nope. Oh. He didn't do anything in that one. I um, always thought that artist was this artist. Perhaps the last one, but that seemed too detailed to be him. Right, that's what I was saying. That's what I was talking about. Oh, yeah, no, I don't think that's the same one. I could be wrong, but I'm okay. pretty sure it's not. It took me a while to figure it out, but the assassin that the Baba Yaga sends after Hellboy in um, Darkness Calls, the first story besides the prelude, um, <laughs> looks like Genghis Khan, but I, I think that's the intended look. But yeah. I think he looks more like... Um, Shan Yu, the bad guy from the original Mulan movie. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, I think looks, I got that too. They yeah. look exactly the same. <laughs> yeah, they do with nice. the gray skin and shit. Spencer, you've been awful quiet. Well, I thought you were going to drop a nuke and make it far more violent in here, and then Colin decided to be rational and not get offended. So right. there's nothing really disappointed about it. Well, if I said Mike Bignola can't draw for shit, you'd get offended. No, so. you're technically not wrong. He said that <laughs> all he can really draw correct is rocks. So he drew a rock character, which is basically Hellboy, who has a rock for a freaking fist, dude. You're not wrong. Um, technically, all artists suck. I so. think... Wait, 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 wait. Colin must be on medication tonight because he just said frigging instead of the actual F-bomb. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I like how this book has a more diverse color palette overall. Um, it takes mm. place in different settings. It's, you know, I love the, the Gothic castles and caves and underwater stuff, but it, having some stuff in the woods and on mountains, it's just different colors. There's a it's bit just more nice, green. you know, it's just nice. I think Hellboy contrasts really well with green. I don't know. Oh yeah, um, dude. No, I think it. I think the. I have to agree with you. The colors are so nice, and at one point we get to see like watercolor, with um, mm. and for like about two or three pages, and that was really nice to see. Yeah, um, I like how this is the depression book. If out of them all, this is Hellboy being big oof, and I I just like that. I like the mood of the book as a whole. Um, it is my favorite out of the four main books. That's what Hellboy I was going to say. 
Hellboy in Hell is a close second, like very close. It depends on my mood. Um, I love how actually, mellow the fourth one is. That's why I like I, that's why that's really why i like the ending is it's not bombastic although technically the events that happen are you don't see them as such um i just i i I genuinely like having another artist on this run not because i don't like mike but because it kept it going like if you it probably would have been a lot longer until this came out if mike was doing both aspects and it does because it's in a different setting with different types of stories it helps bring a, a slightly fresher feel to it in a very, very similar style. Um, but it's just different enough. And something that Colin had mentioned the last uh, episode was the, the whole Hellboy gets like small. It's weird. Like he's still a big dude, but just because Mike's art style had shifted a little bit himself, he went from being extra wide on the top to having like sloped shoulders. Yeah. Like every Mike Mignola character at this point like in his, in his newer style um it just but what does that that would add to his mood i would think right it shows even if it's unintentional it shows how much more worn down he gets because like hellboy loses like he doesn't win like he gives in in the end he <laughs> up <laughs> oh yeah so you know, it, it shows the fact that every story, he does get worse. He's not getting better. He's not getting no. less depressed. He's getting worse and more angry. And, like, in this book, he slaughters a bunch of people and, like, doesn't even remember it. It just kind of happened. And he's like, oh, yeah. I need to get that in check. It shows how much he's just falling apart. He's drinking himself into oblivion. He's, like, he's smashed all the time. He's just, he's killing people and... Everybody thinks he's everybody's leaving. And by the end, he just he does give in. He just loses because he doesn't have anything left. I think he's got nothing left to lose. No, even if it's unintentional, I think the art style shift and utilizing a couple of artists for some stories here and there actually did help with that. Of course. I agree. I also noticed interlude two for Darkness Calls must have been drawn by Mike. It has to have been, because it looks just like uh, the first two books. See. Yeah, Call that's it. Mike. That's a really good one, too. Oh, I love this one. So far as I know, that's the only thing in this book drawn by him, but I was not able to reread the whole thing before recording. Mm. Um, I really oh. appreciate this book because it's very tightly knitted together all three stories it, mm-hmm. it feels like all one great epic instead yeah. of different stories that are combining for a a, a general story arc and, and yeah, that wouldn't and that wouldn't have been able problem and that wouldn't have been able to become that way if mike didn't step down from being the artist right, um, right. Uh, that's why it's good that he got this artist to do it for him because he focused way more on the story than the artwork, and I'm very, very pleased with the outcome. I think so, yeah. it definitely shows in the, the the quality of writing took a bit of a mm-hmm. boost. Oh yeah, for so sure. So it's kind of a win-win. I like the art. Colin even appreciates the art, and the story gets a boost. So that's why oh. I think we all agree this is the best one, except maybe four. 
for you too. I was kind of iffy on that one, and Aha, you're wrong. Need to reread it. So okay, my opinion. Um, I don't think four is the best one. I, four is my favorite, but I think three is the best one. Yeah, that's what I just said. That's oh, actually probably a better way to put it. Yep. For me, four is my favorite. Okay, we're uh, talking about that in a couple art. of weeks. Shush. Get your mouth off the freaking microphone. That was probably a bad decision. There's probably so much Spencer spit in there. <laughs> Ew. Uh, any final thoughts on this omnibus? Nope. Let's wrap it up. Very boy. good. Much love. Alrighty. So next episode that the audience will be hearing is going to be the New Year's special, which we actually recorded just before this episode. Um, but it'll be getting released in a different order. The next episode with a full topic will be the week after that, uh, which is going to be Watchmen. We're going to be discussing the Ultimate Edition slash the Director's Cut because they're almost the same thing. And I think we're going to end up watching different versions, but they're nearly the same so we can discuss the differences. It'll be fun. Wow. Thanks to everyone who has listened. Uh, leave us a comment and you know tell us which of these three short stories, what not short stories, three stories, uh, what's your favorite? Just just give us a comment. It's cool. Just to help you out, that would be either Darkness Calls, The Wild Hunt, or The Storm and the Fury. Yeah, so just throw us a comment. Uh, I'm sure I'll comment back. Um, so you can find this podcast on basically any audio platform as well as YouTube. Uh, any interaction is appreciated likes comments subscribe all that stuff it's just it's it does actually go a long way um, so shit. please do uh, feel free to send us an email at dimecomicbros at gmail.com uh, if you have any suggestions questions concerns memes i don't know anything we have a patreon for anyone who would like to at least check it out and potentially help us out give us some financial support Find us at patreon.com forward slash dime comic bros. We have lots of different tiers, including stickers, topic voting, you get your name shouted out, which I will do in a second, uh, as well as some commissioned art by Colin. So feel which free to just currently working on as we speak. The yes, table sir. is actually shaking as he erases. It's pretty funny. I've been watching it the <laughs> whole time. Nice. Um, and you can go ahead and follow us on social media at Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. I'm fairly active on all three for different things. So please go over there if you have any interest. Um, that's really all I have, except for the Patreon shout out. Uh, so thanks to Business Casual, as always, our one patron. You are our first patron saint, and you will always be called a patron saint now. Uh... Tell me what you want me to draw already. <laughs> you patron. I know where you live. Ooh. I will find you. And I only, will draw something for you. Only Colin has the superpower of using patron saints as a threat. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I might have to replay that back in the episode, in post, because he was like so begrudging when he said patron saint. You patron saint. Colin, why are you disappearing into the void?
Okay, this is, I feel like Lobot from Star Wars right now, because I have the two flashing lights on my head, and I can imagine, like, the, the uh, wraparound. Yeah. Oh, I am hungry. Well, you know, if this blizzard hadn't happened, I'd be spoon-feeding you ramen right now, but I kept it all to myself. That's okay, I got more ramen, I'm gonna cook some chicken. Look at my, look at my beard for a second. It looks like like it's actually just plastered on digitally because it doesn't. <laughs> it's not detecting the individual hairs. It's just getting a black blob. Like <laughs> what? It's freaking hilarious. How many edits no. will Jacob have to do on this? Oh, he's getting the drawing pad out. Oh boy, boy's got an idea. Colin, I Colin, can you hear me? Nani. Nope. Um, so just before I forget to mention it, just so you guys know what's coming, in case you didn't get my joke that I threw in the group chat, I'm going to be talking about two Inhumans books and the Inhuman TV series next week, or two weeks from now. Nice. It's going to be a fun week. And then the week after that, I'm going to be uh, watching Hellstrom, and I have a Hellstrom book to read, which uh-huh. is weird, because there's only like four or five of them. There are not many. So I found one. And I'm going to do them at the same time, and then we can talk about it. How thematic of you. I'm so impressed. Oh my gosh, thank you for thinking about that. Ah, okay. Okay, Spencer, go ahead. Oh, I had it on mute. I'm stupid.